Good morning, guys. It's so good that you guys could join us this morning on our online broadcast. And as you guys know, we'll, we're at the moment presently running our first um, service at the church uh, with the new government regulations with our leaders. And so we're just trying to see how that works out. And uh, next week, don't forget you are able to book next week for the service. So you've got there's a number that's on the screen. Um, it's a 071 number, and you just need to WhatsApp your name to that number. Then Chantal will send you a link. And once she sends you a link, you got to complete the form and on that form you can book your services for the next three four five weeks so this sunday is only leaders at nine o'clock next sunday is father's day i'm schedule but around that this morning with you um and but on the 21st on father's day we will be having a service so those that want to book places i think there's still 10 or 15 places left for next week and also don't forget on the 28th we will be having two services an 8 30 service and a 10 service and on the 5th the same, an 8.30 service and a 10.30 service. So get hold of that WhatsApp number, WhatsApp us your details, book your place with us. And once you've booked your place with us and you filled in the forms and everything, then we will just send your confirmation letter that you've been booked for that service. Then another thing is, and I need you to share this with the moms and the kids out there. So if your dad is sitting with you guys, girls, just put your hands over the ears quickly because I'm going to tell you a secret quickly and they can't hear. All right. So next week is father's day a very important day in, in in our lives a day where we celebrate our dads and how good our dads have been to us and what our dads have done for us but because of where we are in COVID 19 you know it's difficult for us to be able to get you guys all together in one place and celebrate father's day together so this year we're going to do something different but this year we're going to need your help all right so what we've done is this we have bought all the daddies in the church a little gift from an Aces family church. The problem is that I can't get all those little gifts to two, three hundred daddies. So, what you need to do is you need to come around past the Aces family church on the 20th, Saturday the 20th, on the next, that's in charge of the Sunday school, and some of the Sunday school teachers are going to be at the church from 9 to 12. You don't have to come in. You can just drive through the car park. They're going to give you some activities and some things that you can do with dad or for dad for Father's Day. And they're going to give you a gift that you can give to dad on Father's Day. All right. So you need to ask your mom and say, Mom, we need to go to Asian Church next Saturday between 9 and 12. And you can just put up your car and we're going to give you some activities and we're going to give you daddy's birth, uh, a Father's Day present. And then you guys can go and get all ready for Sunday morning. All right. So... Very important that you guys do this. Otherwise, I'm going to have a lot of presents for myself this Father's Day. So don't forget that. Very important that you guys come on to next. We'll send you guys a video this week and tell you guys exactly what to do. So we're excited about next week. So make sure that you're there at the church between 9 and 12. All right. Great stuff. Don't forget also online this week. We're going to be introducing Andrew and Amanda to you. They're part of our steering team. So I'm going to be interviewing them on Wednesday at half past seven in the evening and just share a little bit of heart of where they are and what they're doing. And also don't forget Men of Honor are meeting on Monday night at 18.30. But you need to pre-book with, with Andrew. And then Tuesday night, there will be no prayer meeting this Tuesday night. So next Tuesday night will be a prayer meeting, but not this Tuesday night as the leaders are gathering together um, this Tuesday night. Very importantly. But before we get to the word this morning, let us just open up and pray. Father, we thank you for your great love that you have for us. We thank you, Father, that your word says that you called us by name, 
that we have found favor in your sight. Father, we thank you that your word says, Father, that, Lord, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate from the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I want to pray that you come, Holy Spirit of God. I pray that you rest upon this message. I pray that you stir something in our hearts. I pray that you fill us with overflowing afresh today. And, Father, may we bring glory and honor and praise to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm entitled my message this morning, Living to Please God. And I'm entitled my message because I was challenged this week with a few questions. Some people, my friend, our friend in Australia, we all know some people, some people moved to Australia. But I was chatting to some people last week and he, and he said to me, Kurt, you know, you've got to watch this, this series, Christian series on TV or on your phone called Chosen. He says it's really good. And so I, um, he sent me the link and uh, I downloaded the link. But even before I could even watch an episode, I was asked a couple of questions by some people. And there were three, three questions, or basically two, three questions that, that everyone was asking me. People were saying to me things like, asking me questions like, you know, do we really serve God the way we should? As Christians, as believers, do we really share or, or, or serve God the way we should? The second thing somebody said to us, how much of, in our Christian walk, do we compromise on the Word of God? And uh, the third question was, how much gray has become grace? And so all of us have got these gray areas in our life, which we shouldn't have. But somebody asked them the question, they said, how much of our gray area in our lives, all right, is, is, is an area that just compromises on the Word of God, and how much of it is God's grace, and how do we understand that? And I really had to search my heart this week just to say, Father, not just for me as a pastor, but I had to search my heart this week and ask myself those questions. Am I serving God? Am I pleasing God? Am I doing what it is that God requires of me in this life, in, in where I am right now. You see, there's one thing that, that, that Nicodemus, and in the movie Chosen, if you go watch the series, there was one segment that, that, that caught my attention so much, and it's a long story, and I'm not going to give away the story, but I want you guys to go look at it, but it's the story of Mary Magdalene, and she, you know that she was a prostitute, and she lived in the red light district, of the area and she wasn't very healthy and in the series what happens is she goes to one of the Pharisees, the leaders, the, the teacher of teachers basically because she's so sick and so ill and she goes and speaks to Nicodemus to say that she's so sick and, and he does the ritual, he burns the incense and all this kind of stuff and we know that, that Mary's sick, we probably know that she's a prostitute, we know that she loves her alcohol if you watch the video clip and um, so he does the whole ritual with her and she leaves the place sicker than before. But in the episode, she meets Jesus on the way out of the tavern. And she doesn't know who Jesus is. And, and Jesus just puts his hand on her. And Jesus just speaks to her. And he just says to her basically that you are loved and you are worthy in a sense. And in that moment, Mary's life changes. And, and, and many believe that Mary was demon possessed. And the minute that Jesus touched her, do you know what happened? That the demon had to leave and Mary's life changed completely. A little bit further in, in, in the episode, Nicodemus is now running around trying to find Mary because the Pharisees have now heard about this miracle, this woman Mary, that was demon-possessed and a prostitute and a drunk and everything, and how her life has changed completely. And we find that this Pharisee, Nicodemus, he tracks her down and he finds her and he grabs her and he says to her, it is me, um, uh, Nicodemus, remember you came to see me? And Mary says, no, I don't, don't remember seeing you. And he says, yeah, but I burnt incense and all that kind of stuff. Don't you remember? And, and Mary says, no, I don't know you at all. And, she, and he looks at and he says, but you're different. 
What was it that I did that made you different? Or how long after we burnt the incense and that did you change? And Mary has a look at Nicodemus and she says to him, it wasn't you that caused this change in my life. It was someone else. And Nicodemus says, but who is this man? Who is this person? And she says, I don't know. But she says she knows one thing, that he met me one way. And when he left, I changed and I've gone another way in the sense that my life had been totally transformed in an instant as I met Jesus. I, you know me, but I, that made me so emotional just watching that little clip. And I watched it over and over and over again because I really wanted to hear what God was saying to me in the season we're in right now. But not just in the season, but in my life. Because I sat back for a minute and I thought, the day that I encountered Jesus, did my love change 180 degrees? Was I going in one direction and I met Jesus and everything changed in an instant? Or was my life very much the same the day after I met Jesus? And this is quite a challenge for us because I believe that if you and I come into the presence of God, if you and I come and we meet Jesus, Face to face, our lives have to change. Like Mary, that was a prostitute, that was a drunk, that was, that was sick and everything. Her life changed in such an instance that she was healed completely from every disease, every sickness she had. She was delivered from the prostitution. Everything changed in her life because she had an encounter with Jesus. And as I looked at the scriptures, and as I looked at this, this, this message that I was preparing, I wonder how many of your lives have truly been changed 180 degrees since you met Jesus. Because I think there are times where we meet Jesus out of desperation. There are times where Jesus meets us at our time of need. There are times where we are just scared of hell. And so we just want to receive Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. And, and we do church because, you know, we just don't want to die and go to hell one day. But how many of us have truly had an encounter with Jesus? A real encounter that has changed your life and my life forever. You see, Matthew writes this incredible um, scripture. And it's Matthew, Matthew 6. And I'm going to read from verse 21. And it says this. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That thing that you find so valuable in life, you will always find that your heart is attached to it. And... and and, and as I read the scripture, I think to myself, is God, is Jesus really a treasure in my life? Because if he's a treasure in my life, my heart is going to be connected to it. But he carries and he says, and the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, if then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he says this, and no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, the other, the, sorry, you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he speaks about money specifically here. But I'm speaking about God, the world. And, and, and the, the word clearly says to us that we've got to make a choice that whether we serve God or we don't. There is no gray area. There is not like, I want to serve him 80%. I want to serve him 40%. Or I want to serve him 20%. The word of God clearly says that it is unable to serve two things. It's either you've got to serve God or you've got to serve the world. And, and that is where the question really stirred in my heart of how much 
grey have we developed in our lives? And the problem is today is that many of us want to really be called Christians. Because most of our friends are cool, and you know people they don't believe. They seem very cool, and they seem like they're having a great time in life, and it just seems like Christians have rules and regulations to abide by, and we can't do this, and we can't do this, and we can go up, but we can't go down, and all these kinds of things. And often in that period, we start to move slowly away from that relationship that we have with God, simply because we want to start to entertain other things in our lives. And so as I had a good look at, at what Jesus was saying and, and why Jesus was saying what he was saying, some things were really stirring me. And I want to turn quickly to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 8 and 10. And I want you to take a note of these things and I want you just to, to really think about what it is that I'm saying right now. Because what happened was that, that if we go reading Genesis 1 verse 28 around there, you know the word of God clearly says that God blessed them. And he's speaking about Adam and Eve. And he says, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and take dominion over the earth. And, and so right there, there was a calling and a purpose and a plan on our lives. I had to understand one thing, that I was made for him, by him. And that's Kurt Sutton's purpose. And that's your purpose listening this morning. So many people ask me, what is our purpose in life? Why are we here? What are we doing? It is very simple that we were made for him, by him. And so God created you and me for fellowship with Him. That is why we as human beings exist on the earth, is to be in relationship with God, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That is why we were created, for Him, by Him. And so often we miss that. So often we miss the fact that we created to worship Him, that He created us for Himself, that, that, that we're the royal treasure for Him. And often we compromise with all these things that we do and things that we say. And we forget the fact that we were created by Him for Him. And, and as we read through the Word of God, we find that, you know what, um, mankind just messed up and it just failed and, and nothing was working and temples weren't working and religious leaders weren't working. And, and He sends His Son Jesus again, again, to die on, well not again, but He sends His Son Jesus to die on the cross that again you and I can come back into fellowship with Him once again, that you and I can come to the place of understanding that we were made for Him, by Him. But Ephesians says this, and, I wanna, and I'm going to read from Ephesians um, 2 verse 8 this morning, and, and, and it goes like this. Alright, let, let me just get to the, the scripture here. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says a very simple thing, and it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself it is a gift from God so even your relationship with God is not something that you can earn it is something the word of God says because of the death of Jesus that that relationship has been joined he carries on and he says this he says he said it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared for you and I to do in advance. Now, I brought up that scripture this morning because I want to give you 10 questions this morning on, on how well am I doing as a believer? How well am I following the instructions that Jesus gave us? And I love that part of the scripture where it says, in which God prepared for us in advance, that God prepared, your God's workmanship that God had prepared in advance for us. I, I realized during the lockdown period 
that um, the more time they had, I mean, the first two or three weeks, and you guys are going to yeah, agree with me, the first two or three weeks was great. You know, we were fixing windows and we were fixing pools and we were, you know, fixing boats. We were just, we were fixing everything. But almost like the more time we started to have on our hands, the less time we started to use to do things. And, and, and when we, the less time we started to do stuff, the lazier we became, not just in our walk with God, but with everything. We became lazy and watched the grass grow a little bit longer this week, you know, and, and uh, watched the car get a little bit dirtier this week, and, you know, a bit lazy to go and clean the flower beds. Why? Because all of a sudden we had this time in our hands, and there was no, there was no thing that we had to do. We didn't have to cut the grass today because we were locked up for another 70 odd days. I mean, whether we cut the grass today or tomorrow or Friday or Wednesday or Sunday, it didn't really matter. And as I read the scripture, I thought, wow, how many of us have moved away from the purpose and the plan that God has prepared for us to do in advance, simply because we became so lethargic in the things of God. We became so lethargic in what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And we miss these things. We miss what God is calling us to do, even as pastors at times, that we are so easily swayed, not by our belief system, but we are swayed by what the eye says. Remember Matthew says that this, he says that if your eyes, eyes are evil, you will be an evil person and you will do evil things. If you see bad things, your life becomes bad. And so often we start to compromise on our belief system. We compromise on how we serve God. We compromise on how we treat each other. We compromise on the word of God. We compromise on our prayer life. We compromise in our worship. We compromise in doing things legally in our businesses. And all of a sudden things start to change. But we don't understand that there's a world out there that is looking for someone to condone their behavior. Now, now listen carefully to what I'm saying, and I'm not being judgmental on you this morning, but listen to what I'm saying. Because they quickly to say that whenever I see a Christian fall, and, and then all of a sudden get up and he starts to preach something, they go, oh, you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, you know? You guys do one thing on a Sunday, and the rest of the week you act horribly. That for them is permission to act badly, because you know what? This Christian friend, or this Christian pastor, Behaves badly, so so you know what we can also behave badly. I remember many many years ago, probably about 19, 20 years ago, um, I was invited to a wedding, and I just just got into the ministry, but it wasn't me that was doing the wedding. I was just invited as a guest, and uh, a very well known pastor at the time in PE. Um, he was doing the wedding, and uh, we uh, he was one of those pastors that uh, um, yeah he, he just really just did everything for the sake of doing stuff. So. And I remember we had this, this, this wedding service and reception in, in a restaurant in, in, out of town. And I was sitting there with my wife and we had a whole lot of unsaved people around us. People that had been to church and people that didn't know who we were at all. That they didn't know that she told themselves we just stepped into the ministry. Um, and so we were just friends of the bridal party and so we started to chat. But um, as the wedding started, I... Before the wedding was started, I noticed that this pastor was standing at the bar one side having a beer before the service. And so I didn't say anything and I just looked at Chantal and I said, wow, this is, this is, this is weird. This is, um, you know, this is a strange kind of thing. I, I know this man, I've known him for 20 years. Um, this pastor, I never knew that he would be acting in this way kind of thing, but we kept quiet and uh, he did his thing and um, eventually the bride rocked up and he put his beer down. And he walked you behind the pulpit and he did a wedding that lasted about seven minutes. Um, and uh, 
He said, I'm not, not your husband or wife, and bless you guys, and he didn't even pray, he may kiss the bride, and as the bride couple turned around to walk down the aisle, he just moved out of the pulpit, sat next, on, on, to, on his chair with the desk next to us, and just carried on boarding a second beer and drinking it. And I remember the reaction at the, of the people around us at the table, because what happened, everyone goes, geez, that's a really cool pastor. Wow, that guy, that is a really cool man of God. And I sat there for a minute and I thought, this is crazy. If, if this is our example that we're showing to the world, if this is what a Jesus follower looks like, and the world sees him sinning or committing sin, and not only just that, but just when the world looks at him and says, wow, this is such a cool guy, because he's doing it and he's a believer, I suppose we can do it, and so that justifies our behavior. I was reminded of that wedding this week as I prepared this message. And, and I'm not condemning that pastor. Hear what I'm saying. Because I've done probably 10 times worse things in my life than he did. But it stirred something in me because we're really the example of God on earth. That this entire world, the word says it, and we read the other day, the world is in birth fans awaiting the sons and daughters of God. That the world is out there waiting for you and I to show them what a godly life looks like. And, and we never will save this world, and we will never get this world converted, and we will never fill our churches, and we will never fill our buildings if you and I live a life that is absolutely contradictory to the world. We read it down in, 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 in Matthew, it says that we cannot serve two masters. And often I wonder as believers, how often do we serve two masters? How often is it possible that we can worship God on a Sunday and do the hallelujahs and the amen and the rest of the week live in such a way that most people won't even know we believe this. I'm preaching this message because I chose to follow Jesus. I made a commitment. I gave up everything that I was, everything that I had, everything that I believed in because I had one of those encounters that Mary had with Jesus, that I was walking in a certain way, and when I met him, I was walking in a different way, that everything changed in my life. But as everything changed in my life, I found there was more and more things that the world would almost expect me to compromise on. And there were, there were times I compromised on my belief system, I compromised on what I stand for, I compromised on the word of God, I compromised even as a pastor. And as, I looked at my life and almost like reflected this week. I thought, God, what is it that a, that a good believer looks like? And, and, I, and I'm not speaking about how often you read the Word of God. I'm not speaking about how often you, you pray and how often you go to church. There's 10 points that I want to bring up that I found this week in Thessalonians, and you can do it with me to Thessalonians, and if I'm going to read out of Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want to bring just 10 points. And I want you just to consider this morning, what it is that I'm saying to you. Because I'm going to give you 10 questions, and I want you to answer them truthfully this morning. We're in a place right now in world history where the world is looking for answers. And I believe with every fiber of my being that he is still answer, that Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. But I also believe in my heart it's time for us as a church, as believers, as Christians, as godly men and women to stand up, to step it up and be counted. 
that when the world looks at us, they see something different. They're not different because we do opposite to what they do. Different because there's a spirit of God that is living within us. And whether you and I like it or not, when you are filled with the spirit of God, you will draw criticism, but you will also draw and save people unto yourself. that are trying to understand this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and what he's done in your life and in my life. So I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 5, where I'm going to be reading from verse 12. And then I'm going to break it up into 10 points. All right. Okay, here we go. Verse 12 says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and loving uh, love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always tries to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances for, the, for His God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the spirit fire. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Avoid what is evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who called you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greeting, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord and have the letter to read to all your brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And, and I want you to work through this this week. Because as I worked through this, I realized there were, there were 10 points that I really want to bring up in how we live a life that pleases God. And again, I want to say this to you. I'm not speaking about your spiritual side. I'm speaking about you as a believer. These 10 points. How well are you doing in these 10 points? All right. The first point that he brings up and, and the writer writes, and the first point he says to us as believers, he says, firstly, one, he says, respect and honor your spiritual readers. Pray for them, support them. Don't, basically, don't criticize them and don't gossip. So he says, as a believer, your first duty as a believer, as a Christian, um, and, and, and again, listen to me, I'm not saying this is doctrinal. I'm saying I'm putting aside right now your love for Jesus and I'm putting aside your reading of your word and the prayer life and your Bible studies. I'm speaking about you as an individual. I want to speak to you. These are 10 things that I want you to look at. One, are you praying for those that are spiritually over you? Your pastors, your teachers, your prophets, your life group leaders, your group leaders, your Sunday school teachers, your, 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 those that, that serve faithfully in the church, those that are, are in charge. Do you continually pray for us for strength and for wisdom? Not gossiping, not criticizing, because it's so easy to criticize somebody when you haven't walked a mile in their shoe. It's easy to criticize a man on one sermon when you don't know what kind of a week he's had. It's easy to criticize a guy that is pastoring a church and you can point out all his mistakes. But you've never passed the 10 people, never mind the 1,000. And so it's imperative, especially for myself and Chantal, and there are other pastors and the leaders of the church, that we have people that pray for us constantly. That when we make a mistake, you find and say, hey, I think you made a mistake. Not discussing it with 500 other people. Very important. 
pray for your leaders. He says, secondly, live at peace with each other. Live at peace with each other. And how many of us today are living at peace with each other? This is not even a racial thing. This is how many are you living at peace with your family members? How many of you are living at peace with your, with your colleagues at work? How many of you are living at peace with your parents? How many of you are living at peace with your brothers and your sisters? Because he says this is one of the things that as a believer you should do. One, that you should be praying for leaders. And secondly, you should be the person of peace. And you must say to me, good job, but you don't know what they did to me and you don't know what they said. And It doesn't matter. The word of God says that you, as a believer, as a spiritual believer, one, you need to be praying for leaders. Two, you need to be living at peace with everyone. Quite a challenge. Quite a challenge in the world win. The third thing he says in that book, he says, he says you need to be an encourager to those that are struggling. And so are you an encourager? Are you one that encourages those that are going through a hard time in life? Are you an encourager of those that are going through difficult times in their marriage? Financially, business-wise, with their children, sickness, disease, whatever it is. Are you an encourager or not? You see, you can't be positive or negative. You can't, you can't be both. And so you're either going to be positive about the situation you're in, or you're going to be negative. And if you want to have a look at that, you just go to Facebook. You'll see some people that are so negative that, uh, you know, you're just going to unfollow them straight away because I'll tell you something, there is nothing positive about their lives. And every morning, you wake up and you read a negative post, and all of a sudden, you become negative. Remember what the word says? What the eye sees, if there's darkness coming through the eyes, the whole body's contaminated. And you and I know and we can wake up some mornings and we can go to Facebook and look what our friends are posting. And what they post can put us in such a horrible mood. Not because we agree or disagree with them, but there's a spirit behind this thing. And so the Word of God says, thirdly, as a believer, you need to be an encourager to those that are struggling. You need to encourage people. Lift them up in prayer. Walk a road with them. Go visit them. Have coffee with them. Whatever it might be, be an encourager. So one, pray for your leaders. Two, live at peace with everyone. Third, be an encourager to everyone around you. The fourth question that he mentioned there is this. Be patient with each other. I love that little piece. Be patient with each other. I think as human beings, we're probably the most impatient people in the world. And we're the most impatient people in the world because I think the world has changed so much that the things that used to take a while now are instant. I remember growing up on the farm with my granny, my oma oma. And uh, so when oma made a meal for supper, that meal started at 10 o'clock in the morning. You can understand, there was no electricity at the time. We had a coal stove that was in the farmhouse. And so oma had to go get wood, and then she had to peel the potatoes, and the, and, and, and the workers had to go and, and mop the cows, and then they had to come back, and then it first had to be boiled the water, then the cream was removed at the top, then it was poured into another container, and then the meat was brought in. It was a whole day process for Oma just to cook a meal. Where today we just pick up the phone, phone a the place, they deliver straight away, five minutes later, we got our food on our table, we go to the restaurant, it's 30 seconds, and our food is on the table. And because the world's become so quick at stuff that we have lost our patience. And when the word says a simple thing, be patient with each other, not all of us are going to be changed in an instant. Not all of us are going to change our ways in an instant, as you and I would like. There are sometimes we have to walk five, six, seven, ten, twelve years with a person before they change. There's times you need to hang on to your marriage for five, six, seven, eight young years before things change. 
But the word of God says a simple thing. He says, you as a believer, you need to be patient. And I love the word patient because for me, and this is my interpretation, that whenever we speak about believers being patient, I've got to believe that God has got this. That this is not my agenda. It's not because I want you to change because you take up too much time in my life. But I'm patient enough that ever as I've committed you and your marriage and your business and your family, whatever to God, I've got to be patient enough to continually pray, not just continually pray, but continue just to trust God that God is going to do the impossible in your life. So one, respect and honor your leaders at all times. As I said before, live in peace with each other. Be an encourager to those around you. Fourthly, be patient. How patient are you with those around you? Fifthly, he said, do not have revenge in your heart. Now this is a thing that challenged me. Because you know what, we've all had people in our lives that have hurt us. Be it our parents, be it our grandparents, be it our uncles, be it friends, be it our husbands, be it our wives, be it our kids. Every one of us in some way has been hurt. And the first thing that happens in our lives when somebody hurts us is we want revenge. And revenge is simply this. We want them to feel the pain that we felt. And so whether your spouse has an affair or is involved in a platonic relationship with some person, the thing that we design our lives and we think that if, if, well, if they get caught or I'm going to do the same thing to them or if they were in my shoes or I want God just to punish them right now or I want them to lose everything in life, that's not what the gospel is about. That's not what you as a believer are about. And say so the word of God says, don't carry revenge in your heart. I realized something in my life that, that most of the people that I was highly upset with for hurting me or saying things about me or criticizing my family or criticizing my marriage or criticizing my ministry, 90% of them didn't even know that I was offended with them. They didn't even remember what they said that offended me. And so I was the only one that was carrying the offense. I was the only person that was upset with them. I would see them in the hot markets and they would greet me like they, they haven't seen me for years. Hi, good. How are you? And I'd walk away and I'd think, oh, inside of me something would just rise up. You know, I just wish I can, you know, get revenge on these guys. And they had no clue. And so the word of God said, don't carry revenge in your heart. Don't carry bitterness and anger and resentment in your heart. That's not what God has called you to be as a believer. And so pray for your leaders. Remember this. Pray for your leaders. Live at peace with each other. Be an encourager. Be patient. Fifthly, don't carry revenge in your heart. That's a bitter pill. Because let me tell you something. That when you carry revenge in your heart, you become bitter. You see, they say revenge is a very simple thing. It's like me drinking poison and hoping that you're going to die. That's what revenge is really about. That if you think, you know what, I'm going to drink poison and you can die, it's never going to work. But yet you carry that bitch in your heart. So check your heart out and say, God, where is the unforgiveness in me? Why am I so bitter? Why am I so miserable? Why don't I love people? Why am I so angry with life? Why am I so angry with God? Why am I so angry with people? It's because you're trying to carry a revenge in your heart. You want God to punish people on your behalf. And that's just not the way God works. And that's not the way that you work. Number six, he says this, be joyful at all times. And this is quite a challenging thing because not many of us always feel H-A-P-P-Y every morning when we wake up. We don't. But he says, be joyful. You see, the problem with happy and joyful are two different things. And joyful for me is knowing that when I wake up in the morning, that there are a God that loves me, that I have a God that sent his son Jesus down the cross for me, 
that when I wake up in the morning, I've got so much to be thankful for. That is what it's about. Happy, it's just, it's a moment thing. It's something happens and I do feel, oh, I feel happy. It's an emotional thing. But to have a joy in you, a joy, because I believe that joy only comes from knowing who you are and who the God is that you serve and what he's done for you. And so are you a joyful person? Are, are you one of those people that when you leave the room, you leave the room in a better state than it was before? Or are you one of those people that, that walk into a room and before you leave, everyone is negative and everyone is depressed and everyone is telling us how awful the government is and how awful this is and how awful the pastors are and how awful our church is. What is it? What is it that you deposit behind wherever you go? Check that block. Check that block. What is it? And how is it? And what does it look like when you enter a place and when you leave a place? Because the word of God says, be joyful all the time. Number seven, he says this, pray and give thanks continually. He says, pray and give thanks continually. And what he means by this is simply that you need to spend time in the presence of God because the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more you become like him. That, that, that everything in your life will start to change. And he carries on, he says, and be thankful continually. My, my son has been doing a bit of work riding in the mornings with racehorses and he, he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and I hear him leave here at half past four and he goes and rides and, 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 and I know he won't mind me telling you the story but he was speaking to me the other day and we were having a chat about his quiet time and he said to me, Dad, you know something? He says, I have my quiet time in the mornings and I pray. And you know, Dad, I don't pray that I won't fall in the mornings. He says, I pray that I won't get hurt when I fall. And when he said that to me, it, 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 it really triggered something in me that this young man is praying like that. Because whether we like it or not, bad things are going to happen to us. Whether we like it or not, we're going to be thrown off a horse one way or another. Our car's going to be repossessed. Our wives are going to get up to nonsense. Our husband's going to get up to nonsense. There are times where it feels like everything falls in pieces. But he said, I don't pray that I don't get thrown off. He said, that what I pray is that I don't get hurt. And when he said that, something shifted in my life. Because I realized I'm going to go through hardship. I'm going to go through trials. I'm going to go through tribulations. I'm going to go through all kinds of things. But what an awesome way to pray is, Father, whatever's coming my way, whatever it is that you want me to face this week, whatever it is that you want me to face in the months to come, Lord, I can deal with it, but keep me safe. Keep Kurt Sutton, the man, safe. And I think when we start to pray like that, Everything changes in our lives. So one, respect and honor your, your, your people above you. He says, live in peace. Be an encourager. Be a patient person. He says, don't have revenge in your heart. Be joyful at all times. He says, number seven, pray and give thanks continually. And number eight says, be, be spirit-filled all the time. Verse nine says, don't put out the spirit fire that is in you. I love that. Don't put out the spirit fire that is in you. As a believer, you need to be spirit-filled all the time. As I started to watch the, 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 the series that I was telling you about Chosen, I realized something, and I, I sat back for a moment, I got so emotional, because I thought, no, what Jesus did, I can do. Because the Word of God says the same Spirit raised Christ from the dead is within me. And every time that Jesus encountered someone, their lives changed. And I sat back and I thought, oh God, I would love to be like that. 
I would love to be one of those people that are so filled with the Spirit of God that every time they meet me, something will change in their lives. They, they will see more of Jesus in me. And in that instant, God said to me, but you are, you have everything. You just don't see yourself the way I see you. And I thought, wow, is that really what Spirit falls about? Is that when the Spirit of God fills us, He reveals to us who we are in Christ Jesus, our true identity, our true calling, our true purpose. He says, be spiritful at all times. Number nine, he says, test everything. He says, test everything. Every word that you get, every sermon that you hear, every bit of prophecy that people give you. And, and why does he say this, test everything? Because we take everything for granted. We think because someone just got a doctor behind their name, that, that whatever they say is the truth. If one pastor gets up, just because he's a pastor, it doesn't matter what he preaches, we're going to believe it because he's a pastor. Or if a husband turns around and gives advice to all his buddies, oh, we're going to listen to him. Why? Because he's been married 20 years. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. The Word of God says that as a spiritual believer, you need to test everything. And what he's really saying, you need to check the motives, firstly, of people around you. Secondly, that what they're saying is the truth. What they say does it line up with the Word of God, firstly? And secondly, does their lifestyle line up with what they preach? And what they preach, does it line up with the Word of God? And so he says that as a believer, guys, remember, test everything. And lastly, he says, hold on to good and avoid evil. I love that number. He says, hold on to that which is good in your life and be a person that avoids evil, avoids sin. You and I get tempted every single day of our lives, guys. Every day we get tested. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a husband or wife, each and every one of us, the Word of God says the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so you can understand that God, the, 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 the devil wants to destroy you. That the devil wants to go around like a roaring light to devour you. And he will devour you if you don't hold on to what is good in your life and shun what is evil. You see, we're at this place in our lives right now where there can be no gray in our lives. We either serve God or we don't. We can't serve God and then just allow a couple of little things in our life in from the world to infiltrate our lives. Oh, well, you know, could, I'm a believer, but, you know, I don't believe this is wrong, and I don't believe this is wrong, and I don't believe this is wrong, and I don't believe this is wrong. Let me tell you something. Whatever you believe, if it contradicts the Word of God, it is evil. If it contradicts what God says, it is evil. And so you can understand something. You're either living your life according to the Word of God, or you're living your life according to the world around you. There is no gray in the kingdom. The word of God said to Matthew again, you can't serve two masters because you're going to hate the one and love the other, serve the one and despise the other. And if you and I don't come to a place in our lives where we now get to a place where, hey, this is who I am, this is Kurt Sutton, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, this is the calling of God upon my life, then guess what happened? We're going to start to develop gray areas in our lives. So in closing this morning, I know I've been a little bit longer than normal, but I wanted to get this through to you this morning. So listen to these 10 things and just answer them in your mind. One, do you honor and respect the leadership that God has placed over you? Secondly, do you live a life of peace with everyone around you? Thirdly, are you an encourager? Fourthly, are you patient with those around you? 
Fifthly, do you carry revenge in your heart or is your heart pure? Six, he says, are you joyful? Are you a person that is full of joy all the time? Number seven, do you pray and give thanks continue for what God is doing in your life? Eight, he says, be spiritful. Don't put out the spirit fire that is in you. Number nine, test everything. Make sure that what you believe, what you stand for, what you call for is exactly what God wants for you in your life. Because the word of God says, this is God's perfect will and purpose for you. And ten, he says, hold on to what is good and avoid what is evil. There has to come a place in your life and in my life where we draw a line in the sand. We're going to accept this or we're not going to accept this. This is in our life or this is not in our life. And I think we're at that time in church life right now where we've got the opportunity to decide what is of God and what is not of God. And so as I read these 10 points this morning, I didn't read them to condemn you or to criticize you or to judge you. But in my own life, I had to ask myself these 10 questions. And I, to be honest, I didn't do that well on this test out of 10. Didn't do that well. Minimum bar shape, I managed that. But I didn't do that well. But I also realized there was so much more that I'm worth. So much more that God wanted me to do. But also there was so much that I had to change in my life. Because out of these 10 things, I need to make sure that every single one of them are working in my life. And you to make sure that every one of them are working in your life. And so, guys, be encouraged this week. Spend time in these 10 things. Spend time in First Thessalonians. Read it again and again and again. Go read Matthew. Go read Ephesians 2. Get it into your spirit that God wants to do something amazing in your life. But no, it says in Revelations that if you look for him, he's just going to spew out of his mouth. And so God is looking for a people that are committed, a people that are dedicated, a people that want to see the world change with the love and the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I bless you. I, I want to pray a blessing over you right now. I want to pray that God will stir your heart this week in Jesus' name. But let us pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the calling that you have upon our lives. I thank you for your presence that's upon us continually in your spirit that is in us. And I, even as we go through this week, and even as we challenge ourselves in these 10 things and 10 questions, I really pray that we come out better people, but just not better people, we'll come out Jesus people. And so I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you touch every man and woman listening right now, every child listening right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, right now in the name of Jesus, that it doesn't matter where they are, that you'd fall upon them afresh this morning in Jesus' name. That in their hearts they would know which master it is they need to serve, and who it is they need to serve. And so come, Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, have an awesome day. And uh, hopefully we're going to see you guys um, next week on the 21st or on the 5th or on the 28th. Book your service. We cannot wait to meet. We've got the church all sorted out and sanitized. It's, everything is ready for you guys just to come and just to worship and to, to hear the word of God with us. And so if you haven't booked yet, book. I promise you the bookings are going fast. Unfortunately, we can only allow 50 people in the building. So at the end of this video, you'll see there's a number that you need to phone. Once you phone that number, or not phone the number, send a WhatsApp message saying, hey, it's Kurt Sutton. I want to attend Sunday the 28th, the morning service, or the first service. We will then send you a link that you need to complete. Once you've completed the link, then we will book you down. But have a blessed week. We love you guys. Be safe, and we'll see you on Wednesday. God bless.